Welcome to the Digital Hustle Tribe podcast. My name is Yasmin and I am your host. And today we have Marty Post, who is the author of Retrofit, the playbook for modern moms. She leads workshops and all sorts of virtual events for parents looking to either get ideas on how to move forward as well as companies looking to support the working moms and dads that are currently experiencing some turmoil. She calls herself a parental inclusion consultant and is a keynote speaker and strategy leader on the subject. So I'm really excited for today's chat because we are going to be talking about parenting, how she got started, how she basically created a field and her book, and how we can really move everything forward with parenting, especially now in 2020. So let's get to it. Thank you so much, Marty, for being with us today. I am really excited to be diving into this topic, especially because it's 2020 and all of just the workforce itself is changing, hopefully for the better. And hopefully you are, it sounds like you are leading the movement to, or at least part of the movement, creating the movement in order to get people to, I don't know, some sort of sanity with working parents. <laughs> That would be great if we could get to that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody um, what you do? Thank you. I'm Marty Bledsoe Post. I'm the founder of Apparently. It's a new consultancy I started a couple years ago focused on supporting working parents by directly working with them, but also working with their employers to help companies understand how to support working parents as well. How did you come to realize that this is something that you got to, got to be a part of? It essentially started with a personal story. I was asked to do a talk at a conference, a marketing conference. So among all my industry peers stand up and talk about how I was juggling a VP role with a nine person team and two little kids under the age of six at home. And I had, first of all, never heard of that before. I did not, had never heard a conference session geared toward the balancing of, of motherhood and career. In fact, I felt like if moms were speaking at conferences, people were kind of finding them in the hallway later and being like, how do you do all that? So I was thrilled that it was a center stage opportunity, if you will, to stand up and talk on the conference agenda. But I was also really nervous. I thought that for sure it would ruin my career. And in fact, I went back and and turned it down. I said, you know, I just can't do it. It's too risky. I don't want people to know that I am sometimes distracted, very stressed, uh, you know, don't always feel like I'm giving my all at either one of these roles. I just can't say that stuff out loud at an industry conference. And thankfully, they wouldn't take no for an answer. Uh, And so they put me up there anyway. And I, I started talking to other moms beforehand, thinking maybe I should find out if my story is somehow you know, worse than everybody else's. And in reality, it was very common. The things I was feeling were so common among the moms I talked to. The burnout, the emotional tug of dropping your child off day after day after day to a place where their development is happening, um, or the emotional tug of gleefully dropping them off and happily going to work and loving your business trips and never feeling that thing that you're like, should I feel bad about this? You know, either way, there was just a lot of concern and guilt uh, um, on the minds of all the women I talked to. So I realized when I stood up and did my talk and I felt 
I felt so free after that because I said out loud what I thought was too dangerous to say. And it made me realize that every mom deserves that opportunity. Every single working mom needs the chance to sit back for a hot minute and think about how did I get here with these two sometimes conflicting jobs and what does it mean to me and what are my choices? And so that is really where the beginning of my work got started was offering workshops to working moms. And it grew from there with employers wanting to provide programs for their teams and dads wanting to be included in the conversation and talk about the stress that they are under all the way through to and including my book last year that, that leads off with that notion. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you so much for leading into the book because it's really been one it's not it, you definitely hit your target market really well where it's not like this thick book that we have to clunk down <laughs> um, it is a lightweight read but it is so full of statistics and um and just statistics that i things that i can be reading out and then telling my husband hey did you know this mm-hmm. and just a, a great way to bring it to the forefront of people's minds instead of trying to repress all the feelings that we we are going through. So from was there something in particular that surprised you from creating your book um, and gathering all of these stats? The, the biggest surprise to me was that the way we think about motherhood in our country today is a, is a modern concept that's only been around since after World War II. Prior to that, parenthood was sort of a fact of yes or no, you were or were not a parent. After World War II, we began to see this notion of the mother as the primary parent up till the child goes to school was born out of a variety of factors. It's born from socioeconomic changes that happened after the war. It's born from uh, gender and societal changes that happened when the GIs returned from their jobs and the women were in the workforce and many uh, British and US officials felt like maybe they should just encourage the women to go home and have babies and that would free the jobs back up for the, for the returning soldiers. And it really surprised me because I feel like in US culture, we have latched onto this idea of being good mothers as some sort of goal for women, regardless of what their other goals are. And we've not latched on in the same way to the goal of being good fathers or having that complicate a man's career. And at the same time, we've expected women to join the workforce and, you know, basically buck up and and do a great job, do a better job than men, get paid less than men, get less recognition than men, get promoted more slowly than men, but, but still do the same work. And we do not support We do not support moms. And frankly, we do not support workers. There's no paid leave in the US. There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, policy that supports universal preschools. So uh, we, I I guess I felt when I read all those stats and I started putting the book together, I thought, well, no wonder it's so hard. And that validated all of my concerns in such a nice way, because I was like, okay, so it's not just that I can't do it, <laughs> which definitely had crossed my mind. Um, you know, it's not just that my kids are high maintenance or, you know, whatever those different excuses or. Yeah. Well, and those, those burdens I was carrying around, you know, like, oh, well, maybe it's because I have too far of a commute. Maybe it's because I'm in the wrong industry. Maybe it's because my kids yeah. are, you know, and, and, and then it was like, no, it's because we do not have as a society, the fabric is not built 
or the framework is not built for this to be done well. And the expectations are sky high on both sides. And yet the way, the way we judge mothers and shame women for their choices around their children, we really do make it impossible to, to be successful. So that's heartbreaking because what happens when a woman is put in a position where she can't succeed. It doesn't serve her career. It doesn't serve her company or if she owns her own business, her business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't serve the next generation of kids who are growing up in households where mom is suffering under this ridiculous heavy weighted blanket of expectation. So it will serve everyone better to empower moms and women and, and families and parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I really just, I don't, first of all, I don't know how you kept going after seeing all the statistics. I would have just been like, you know what, <laughs> I give up. Um, but from when I was reading the book um, and kind of shouting out these statistics to my husband, who is um, from Mexico, he's like, yeah, like this is, this is how we were raised. This is, you know, the women were that were not the ones that were working or me making the most money. Um, and just looking back at the way I was raised, it was definitely, my mom still worked, but not, um, that was due to some childhood drama, but you know, it was not normal. It was, she should have been home taking care of the kids. And even when she was working crazy hours, she was still taking care of the kids and cooking and everything like that. I luckily adhere to a more lazy parenting rule where if the kids want to eat and are that hungry, they can find an apple. <laughs> I think um, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just very, it, when I was reading, it was kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time, motivating. And you, you were able to walk that line where, yes, it's hard. There are lots of things that we get to change, but there is, there is hope. There is still a path forward. And I think that's where your virtual, um, your Zoom classes uh, are really going to help drive that home and help us. What is the next step? So for me, it's, I read the book. So what is that next step that we get to take? How do we make a change? We now know how depressing everything is. Mm -hmm. um, how can we take that as working parents, as working moms, we have the kids, what can we do at home um, to alleviate the pressure, I guess you could call it? Mm -hmm. uh, what are you, what are your, what is your take? Well, my take is that, you know, it is, it is about figuring some things out at home and it is about figuring out some things at work at mm -hmm. home. One of the things that, that I really loved hearing in one of my very first workshops was it's important that we teach our kids how to do chores, of course, but it's important that you don't just make a chore chart when they're little and use that same method as they grow. So as they get older, it has to switch to, what, th what jobs do you see needing done around the house? And they get to make the list of chores because what you have to do is, as all of parenting is, it's about transferring the ownership of, of, and recognition of life around you to the child so that they can start to do that on their own. So the kids absolutely can be pitching in a lot more than perhaps we ever uh, intended them to or wanted to I mean there were days when I didn't want to fuss with it I was like oh my god I'll just do it myself right but being home with them so much during the pandemic has definitely inspired me to get them more involved and to make more to make the helping out around the house more of a given and less of an option so it takes 
precedence in the day. It, you know, other things can't be done until the help is received. So I think part of it is honestly sharing the, the unpaid labor of running a home with the next generation. It's also about sharing it with your partner. If you have a, a spouse or someone you're co-parenting with, then there are a variety of books out there that can help figure out how to navigate it. Um, one of them that came out after my book was published, so it's not mentioned in there, is called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And she outlined a system in her book for splitting up duties across the unpaid labor of running a house. And she actually made it into a card game. So you can hang out with your significant other on a weekend, play the card game, maybe have some drinks or snacks or something, and have a conversation about why is it not even when the unpaid labor, let's just say there are 100 tasks that have to be done in an unpaid fashion around a home in a given month, why do 67 of them fall on mom, right? And so uh, she has provided a way forward for partners. It's a, it's a fun idea, but it's a serious, serious way to look at how we divide labor. So I guess at home, it's division of labor primarily. I love that. And then I love how you, you I think you're touching on that mental burden, right? So it's almost like yeah. in some, and this is from what I've heard as well. It's not like I'm just saying this, but because uh, I attended one of your workshops when I used to be in, per on, in person mm -hmm. and a mental burden kept coming up in our group discussions. And it was like, okay, yes, the spouse is willing to do part of the work, but you have to tell them and then remind them and then set the schedule and then set the alarms and then do some more <laughs> reminders. So I love how you touch on that um, because it's not just about doing the dishes, right? It's about having that in your mind and that you have to do the dishes and then feeling bad about not doing the dishes and then having to remind someone else to do them. Yes. So, yeah. And, and that's think, exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it might be part of a different podcast, but that's what we are working on right now where it's given to the businesses that we have. Um, sometimes physically we cannot be there, but the mental burden we are, tr we get to divide up because it's still, um, you know, you, your brain just gets burned out. If your brain is burned out, you, you can't even go for a run or anything. It's just, you just want to lay there. Yes. Yes. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but no, right. Yes. All, all of this is under the guise of asking for a friend, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just saw another article, um, this week calling it the cognitive labor. So it's, you know, of course it's unpaid. It is the mental load. It's the emotional load, but this cognitive labor. And I think that's, what's so interesting about the concept of the fair play idea is that as you divide up the tasks, the person who gets the task, the card with that task on it, they have to do, they have to remember to do it, plan to do it, get it done, follow up on it themselves. Um, when it comes to kiddos, it's interesting because uh, I learned a ton from my kids' preschool teachers, and they taught me to teach the kids using natural consequences. So the example that was my favorite one was the kids kept leaving the caps off the markers, and the teachers finally just quit reminding them, and the markers dried out, and then they had no markers. Yeah. So they said, uh, you know, you should try it. If, if little, you know, Johnny is on dish duty and he doesn't do the dishes and there's no clean dishes then we have to have the family consequence of we have no clean dishes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a ninja level. I don't think I could take it to, especially when we're all at home together in a pandemic, but it's a good concept, right? I think then I have to rename my concept of parenting from lazy parenting to preschool. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm like. You guys have no dishes. I have mine hidden. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's really great. But I will say that is probably, that is not the norm among Western parenting. The New York Times calls today's style of Western parenting, they call it intensive parenting. And it's Mm. investment of more time, money, and resources in our kids longer in their lives than any generation ever before. And that includes doing more for them. So you know, and, and we're quick in this country to judge. So if you hear a mom saying, well, I just, you know, I just told my kids if they, if they need something to eat, they have to find something on their own. And you'll hear other mothers being like, can you believe that? You know, and at the same time, I think behind the scenes, many of us are like, oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I always go back to when I first arrived in college, I don't know what your experience was like, but a lot because of a divorce, I had to learn a lot of things. And then by the time I got there, I knew how to cook. I knew how to do my laundry and I knew how to do all that. I could wake up myself up with an alarm to go to class. And I realized that a lot of students, and this was, I don't know, maybe like two years ago when I left college. Mm-hmm, no, just right. kidding. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> me um, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was very interesting that even back then where it was, the way that I don't know if it was a culture shift or more of a family dynamic shift, but where a lot of students did not have those skill sets. Um, so that is why I adhere to okay, you're nine years old, you should be able to make yourself some scrambled eggs, just make sure you don't burn yourself. Let's go over the basics of what happens if you start a fire, but beyond that, let's uh, you can make your scrambled eggs. So, mm-hmm. um, just that's what I take. And then with my husband too, it's a lot of having him stop helping them because he wants to do everything really well. He doesn't want there to be scrambled eggs with eggshells in there. Um, but it's stopping him from doing it because just because in his culture where his mother or his grandmother would do everything for the kids, and especially for the male kids and the male kids were he's like, yeah, they're just boys. They're not going to learn that. Let's have our daughter do it. So just have saying, no, she can go when we had a house, mow the lawn with you and she can make herself some scrambled eggs. It's mm-hmm. just a life skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So tell me a little bit about your upcoming talk and if you can give us a little sneak peek on it, if not, just let us know a little bit when it is, where we can find information on it. Sure, absolutely. So it's September 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern. It's a virtual session. You can sign up at apparently.com slash events. So a-apparently with one p.com slash events. And it's a session called Full House, Working from Home with Your Family. <laughs> and let me be the first one to say that, that I don't working. <laughs> I don't think there's right. I don't think there's such a thing as an expert on this topic. So I'm not professing to be that. What I am doing though, is I am sharing some ideas that I have gleaned from my free parent group that I'm running on social media right now, where parents are coming together with ideas and questions and support of each other. And I have gleaned a lot of ideas from within that group. And we will go through tips on what are the things you need to try to be doing if you're going to make this work? We will also go through age-specific tips because I understand that being home with a preschooler is very different than being home with a a teenager. And so we will go phase by phase and talk about what works and some new ideas for each age group, taking into account too that we now have some students in hybrid school situations, some students in online school situations. I don't know anyone yet who's back full-time 
but we can talk through, we will talk through some of those scenarios. And then on the flip side of, I guess, the second part of the, of the session is really for managers and team leaders. Because what I'm hoping is that listening to the first half will give them some insight and empathy if they don't have their own families. Um, but then really thinking through like, how do I manage a team mm -hmm. who essentially is working a second job all the time mm -hmm. now? And, and some ideas and tips for that as well. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I love um, in our, our previous chat um, where you mentioned that it, it's about being flexible with the hours, right? So if there's a launch happening and we have to put in more hours, we get, but the next week it might be done. And so we can put in less hours and helping that just be more flexible with where you allocate your energy so that you're not getting people who are burnt out or you're not literally working like having your kids in virtual school for eight hours and doing all that stuff and then when they go to bed you're you're just like stay yeah. you're not even going to sleep yeah yeah in order to get the hours in um so can you speak a little bit more about how managers can if they can shift or how what small steps can they take because i know that it's sometimes hard for a, a company to make such a big leap um, that some of them can't just rip that bandaid off. So what small steps can they take in order to start in the right path? I agree with you. It's a big, big change to, to rethink from, because we were all used to having the 40 hour week defined mostly. I mean, mostly it was eight to five or nine to five Monday through Friday. And it was in some ways it was almost like we could, we could be a little lazy because we could count on most people coming together during those hours of those days to be available. And so we did not as workers have to focus on how do I asynchronously get this task done? I, I could synchronously count on everybody being in the same space at the same time for a certain amount of time. And so it's a huge, huge cognitive shift. I think we have to acknowledge that. That's really important. From a management standpoint, the number one thing that team leaders can do is try to focus on the outcome, not the process. So essentially, you do not need to know how the sausage gets made. And frankly, you might not wanna know. If the outcome is complete, if it's, if it's uh, a fidelity that will work, then that should be celebrated and everybody should move on. And if it can be done, if it was done in 28 hours this time and next time it's 52 hours, then so be it. Um, and it's super hard to mentally let go of that stringent scheduled mindset, but we have to think about the work, the work and the deliverables. We also have to look at the toll that that work can take on our team. So if I am more, if I'm managing a team of six people who are all at home with kids doing online learning, I can set the stage with my leadership to say, this team is not going to have an output like six people coming into the office would have had. And we all have to be okay with that. Let's recalibrate what we're expecting of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that would go a long way toward parents feeling like, okay, somebody gets it. Another quick tip is to rethink the, the meetings that we're, we're having. I mean, I'm still hearing stories of parents saying, well, I have five hours of meetings and my kids have three or four hours of Zoom calls. Well, um, that's not gonna work. <laughs> so your company can rethink their meeting culture by saying, hey, you know, uh, we're gonna implement a new policy where you can't schedule meetings the same day. That's just, you know, no, that's a no-no. Or we're gonna go meeting free for the first 90 minutes every day because we know parents are setting up kiddos in classes and, and chat rooms or whatever it's, ha you know, whatever's happening. 
or we're going to say Monday is meeting free because we know parents are starting the week with the kids and, and we just all are going to work on our own on Mondays and whatever that looks like, but letting up on the meetings, encouraging employees to take their PTO. I was strongly advocating for parents to take off the first day or first week of online learning from their jobs because mm -hmm. I was like, why would we even pretend yeah. that we're going to get over here and get yeah. started on this and then go back over here and have a meeting? I mean, at our house, it was, it was an intense day. Um, you know, and, and I think using PTO, again, like companies can be more flexible with how are they allowing PTO to be used? Can they use it in, in one hour increments, two hour increments versus eight hours or four hours? Uh, and I think leaders need to take their PTO and they need to make a, a big noise about I'm not answering email and then they need to stick to it and they need to take their time off. So there are a lot of ideas for, I know those are for bigger companies, but it hopefully will help trickle down to the teams who need it most. No, yeah, that's amazing. And so how can we take that move? Let's say 2020, give it a fall, I don't know, is over, we get past all this craziness. I heard about zombie fires, all this stuff. We get past yeah, yeah, all of yeah. it. How can we, what can we learn from this? And how can we shift? Because it's not going to be business as usual, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not just, we've already had a taste of some freedom and some stress. And so how can we move forward? What shifts can we make so that our, our employees are, or our teams are still able to create quality work, but not be necessarily stuck in the 95? Should we go back to the 95? How can we move forward? I think we have to keep moving forward toward more and more and more flexibility, not less. I think we can profoundly rethink the location-based idea of work. I think we can, that allows us to then rethink commercial real estate and what those buildings and spaces can become. They can become training facilities. They can become additional educational spaces or outreach centers or other places that we might need more than offices. I also think that we can understand how to advocate for our employees as whole people and employees for themselves as whole people. So prior to this, who I was at home and who I was when I crossed through that door and became my work self could be two totally different people. And that was in many ways, probably a good thing, you know, honestly. But now I think employers need to think about themselves as essentially employing that, that person and their family and how they take care of their family, how they get from day to day to day with that family unit is not, is no longer sort of none of the employer's business. Now it is the employer's business. Does that mean providing different benefits that, that include care stipends if you're caring for aging parents or young children or pets? Um, does it mean recalibrating on flexibility and, and remote work? Or does it mean rethinking the way you honor leadership roles and promote people? I think there's a whole bunch of new ways we can rethink things when we acknowledge that our workers are whole people. Yeah, oh, that's, that sounds like an amazing place I want to go to. <laughs> I know, I know, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So tell us again when that event is and um, about your where we can find your book, Retrofit, mm -hmm. and where else we can find you. Awesome. So the event is September 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern. That's the Full House Working From Home With Your Family webinar. You can sign up at apparently.com slash events. 
The book is also online at retrofitbook.com. So you can order your own copy and it'll ship right out to you. And then there are exercises in the book so you can write all over it and, you know, keep notes and, and all that good stuff. And all of the rest of my uh, work is on apparently.com. And you can even use that to find my social media accounts and follow along. You can also find, if you go to apparently.com, you can find my new show, The Top Line. I've, I've heard some of the episodes and it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I really like hearing the, because it makes you feel like you're not alone. Like you're, you're, there's other people either, maybe they'll give you ideas on how you can do things with your kids mm-hmm. or ideas of, or maybe just learn from other people's mistakes. But it's, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm not alone. And, and that's speaking from somebody who has a spouse. So I'm not a single mom. Um, and although he sometimes travels, it's, it's just helpful, I think, having the top line there and listening to other people's experiences and just, I guess, feeling, knowing that it's not just me feeling this way, it's also other people. Yeah. So, yeah I found it great. Um, awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us. I will put all the links in the show notes and uh, I hope to hear everybody in the next episode. Make sure to go and follow Marty, get the book. It's really a great, I think it's a worth it to get the book it has activities in there it doesn't take that long to read but you get so much out of it and and yeah let's let's move move everyone forward <laughs> yes let's thank you so much for having me here to talk about this yeah thank you so much all right, all right. bye